0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Trinity Episcopal Pocatello podcast. Peace be with you. In our Season 3 finale, we have a conversation with Trinity Parishioner Kathleen Kangas. We discuss her church background and her current ministry making midterm care packages for university students and staff. She also shares her experience creating Trinity's Vision Statement. Process that was neither sought out nor straightforward, but spiritually impactful all the same. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me here. Of course.
0: So, you asked to be on specifically because you have knowledge about how the vision and mission statements were created. Before we talk about that, I did want to ask you what your background is before you came to Trinity.
1: Sure. I grew up in the Midwest, a little town in Michigan, and I was a cradle Episcopalian. My mother was from Great Britain. So for her, the Episcopal church was, because it's the Anglican church, it's the branch of the Church of England. So that's where she felt at home. My father had taken her to the Finnish-speaking Lutheran church, which certainly didn't feel like a good home for her. So I grew up with the Episcopal church. It was a very tiny church, not quite as formal as some of the churches. In my early 20s, I partly quit going to church for a while and partly tried out some other churches, and somehow I always find myself wandering back to an Episcopal church. There was a really excellent church in Northern Illinois when I lived there that I joined, and I guess that's where I feel like I turned into a grown-up member of a church. I started really doing things and thinking about the leadership and how the church comes together. So that was really a good experience for me. Uh, and then I left there and uh, went back to graduate school. I went to Purdue to earn a Ph.D. I was, you know, given up a professional role. I felt like I was going back to school, everything was changing. I thought the church would be the place that I would be still an adult member. So I tried to go to the community church there, and they were having a lot of problems, and it just was not a good placement. So I ended up going to the student chapel at Purdue, which, which was fine, was positive. So then I took a position here at ISU in 1990. So Trinity was where I would come to look for a church home. There were some issues at that time, and it was a little difficult to get involved in the church, but eventually, obviously, I did. And I really think of Trinity as a big part of my marriage, Robert and I. We met here. His father was a member here, and he started coming here. Rita was an old friend of his from the college days, and Rita Haggart, she gives herself credit as our matchmaker. Which is partly true, she was really encouraging him to ask me out the first time, and he finally did. So we were both very strong members here, uh, very active at the time that we started dating and then got married. Uh, he was the senior warden, and I was the chair of the parish life committee. First time he asked me out, actually, we laugh about this now, I didn't know what he was asking me for. Uh, he asked me if I was free on a certain night. My first thought was that he's forming a new committee to do something, and I didn't know that I wanted to take on one more job, so I said, why? And <laughs> Thankfully, he had the courage to give me an answer. Well, I thought I'd take you out to dinner sometime. <laughs> oh, like a date? Are you talking about a date? Yes, a date. Oh, no? okay. So that was how our first date came together. And, uh, and so our, our relationship really grew here, and at Trinity. And our wedding was here. Many of the people that were there are still around. So Trinity's been important to us.
0: Our vision and mission statements are kind of different. And I know recently when we were going through the discovery mm-hmm. process, we were kind of re-examining what those yeah. meant to us. And I, I say at the end of each of the episodes, we're weaving God's unfinished tapestry. Yes. That's our vision statement.
1: Correct? Yes. Yes. And then at some point, the from when it was originally adopted. The vestry did make that adjustment. And I like that adjustment because it it really emphasizes the active piece. What I really wanted to tell you about is, in a way, it's kind of a personal story about my involvement. For me, this is a story of listen to the spirit, even when you don't know where it's taking you. Because for me, this was a experience that ended up 180 degrees from where I thought it was going. I I mentioned that as I first came to Trinity, I found it a little hard to get involved. But once I started doing some things here, it was like in the middle of everything. So it was still in the early 90s, and I actually was a member of the Vestry. There were two gentlemen who were co-treasurers of the church at that time, and they had done a lot of work to bring our financial management into the modern world. Uh, They had done a lot to revise things, how they were managed. And they came to a Vestry meeting and said how they had this great idea that came from the business world about our developing a vision and mission statement and wanted the Vestry's approval to go ahead with this project. And honestly, my first thoughts about this were not positive at all. My first thought was, uh, one more thing to make a church run more like a business. Do we really need the church to run more like a business? And as they were talking about vision and mission, I'm thinking, okay, well, Christ is our vision. Spread the gospel is our mission. What more do you want to know? So I really wasn't at all impressed with the idea. But one of the things that I had really noticed at Trinity at that time was it was hard to get a new idea going. And it was obvious these two guys were committed. They had done things for the church, and they were excited about this. So I thought, well... There's nothing negative about going forward with this. So I never said anything negative. We had that vestry meeting. There were a couple of people really excited about the idea. and So I was fine with voting approval, but I thought, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. I'm just saying, yeah, go ahead. So the first step in this project was that they would set up these brainstorming sessions. Everyone, different times and dates announced. And everyone should come to at least one and share their ideas about where Trinity is, what's good, what could be improved. And then they came to a vestry meeting and said, unfortunately, both of them were going to be out of town on the day they were having one of these meetings. Well, another issue that had really concerned me about Trinity was we had had a pattern for a while of announcing things, putting things on the calendar and then canceling them because they just didn't happen. I will never know why he did this. Bud Smalley was a member of the vestry, and he turned to me and he said, you know, Kathleen, if you'll do it with me, I think we could run that meeting. And I didn't really want anything to do with this process, but I thought, well, I'm a university professor. I'm used to standing in front of a group of adults. I'm used to generating discussion and getting people to talk. Okay, I can do that. Let's do that. So I agreed, and Bud and and I, to this day, I don't think, If Bud hears this, he'll be surprised. I don't think he knows that that was my thought process. So Bud and I ran one of those meetings together, and very shortly after that, these two gentlemen came to the vestry, and both of them were leaving the Pocatello area for their jobs. So what are we going to do with this process now? We've got all this feedback. All these people came to these meetings to share their thoughts. I said, we can't just drop this. Somebody has to pick this up and do the next step. And again, Bud turns to me, and he said, well, we did pretty well with that one listening session. I, I think we could co-chair the committee to go forward. Now I'm co-chairing the committee for this vision. Are you kidding me? So I said, okay, we'll do that. So we started going through all the feedback, had a small committee that would go through, and, and really a lot of really good information and ideas came out of it. And the discussions really did turn me to feeling much more positive about it. So that summer, I was scheduled to go to women's camp at Paradise Point. And if you've never been there, it's a gorgeous place. It was another thing I kind of fell into without realizing what I was doing, because most of it was centered around silent meditation, which was really not my thing. I had not really experienced that or really tried to do that. But that's where I was, and the theme that year had something to do with coming together, and the theme song was the weave song, which we've sung in church. So I got there Friday night to have the service, did the weave, and then Saturday we were supposed to do some silent meditation. So I'm going to give this a try, so I sat down at the end of the dock at this beautiful place looking across the lake. Okay, God, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. I'm not sure why I'm here, but... I'm here to listen. What is the message you have for me? And as I just sat there and tried to clear my mind and just do the silent meditation, suddenly sort of that entire vision statement came to me very complete. And at that time, the wording really was We are a part of God's unfinished tapestry. And there were some comments that followed that about sort of the meaning of each of those words. It just really came very complete, and I was very afraid of losing it, and the only thing I had to write on actually was the back of the rules for the camp, and I had a little pencil with me, so I scribbled it all down, and it went through very, very minimal editing after that. That was really vision, so for me it's just an amazing story of where I didn't think I had anything to do with this or anything to offer this process. And then I ended up being the one who really brought the words and the complete vision statement. Sometime later, Avestri made the decision to change it from a part of God's unfinished tapestry to weaving God's unfinished tapestry, which I think was a good change. Again, it really emphasizes the action and the meaning. And we did also, we took all that feedback at that time and posted it with principles and looked at things we were doing well and things we could improve, and it helped to give the vestry some guidance for the next couple of years. So I am really pleased to see that it is, after this many years, that it is still present. I've written a lot of things in my life. I don't think I've ever written anything that felt like it just arrived to me, just came to me that way. But it does reflect one of the things that I have always felt very strongly that a big part of being a member of this parish should be to try to bring people in, try to find various ways for people to share their gifts and to feel a part of things.
0: The vision statement was adopted in 1993. And even then, you're defining tapestry as the strength of our unity comes from our diversity. Did you know how much of an impact that would have in the the decades to come?
1: No, but it was clearly in the thoughts of the parish. As you looked at the comments that people made at those open meetings, it was clear that an important part for most of us was not looking for people who are just like me or think like me, but it was appreciating the differences. feeling that we are the church that can welcome many people no matter what their background. I told you at the beginning I was a cradle Episcopalian, but to me what's important about that is that this is has always been a church with the tradition of being open, bringing in new and different ideas and different threads. So maybe I didn't really understand the impact it would have, but it really grew organically out of the feedback from the parish
0: about a year ago you started doing a project for college students care packages could you tell us a little bit more about that
1: yes i'm I did tell you that I did my one of my graduate degrees at Purdue University, and there was a church there that did care packages. I think they did it in finals week at the end of the semester, but they put together these baskets with fruit and some kind of toy and treats and homemade cookies. And I was really trying to think about... Uh, a project for Trinity that would really meet all of our major uh, efforts that would be outreach to a community that we maybe weren't doing quite as much with as, as we could. So kind of raise our visibility, um, a, a way for people to share, and frankly also in part a fundraiser, but also make an impact to people individually and sort of get our word out or, or Name who we are. I had talked to some people before about it, not gotten a lot of response and I finally decided that if this was going to happen and actually I had drifted away and not been too active with the church for a while, and uh, coming back, I thought, well, I need to actually contribute something to this church and do something. and this seemed like a way that was it's not a big commitment. We've just had the Greek festival that the Greek church has. That's fabulous. Everybody in town knows about them. Everybody loves that church because of the Greek festival. But the commitment that they put out in preparing that food is just enormous. And clearly we're not at a point where we could could be doing something quite like that uh, in the short term. But I remembered these care packages. They were baskets at, at Purdue. But I remembered these being done as, as something that just seemed like a really positive and fairly simple approach. It actually started two or three years ago I think. The first one I did a lot of um, donating some things myself and the number was pretty small. I think we managed 20 bags the first time. But the idea is to do a care package that has some treats for the students, some uh, fresh fruit and some homemade treats and also something to kind of help them focus on studying. So highlighters, markers, post-it notes, some of those kinds of things. And then something for a study break, a toy, a puzzle. Uh, I think last year we did some books of crossword puzzles. Anyone who wants to buy one for a particular person can do that. It could be for a student or a staff member or a faculty member. We take the orders pretty much in the month leading up to midterm week. The orders then have to be in by the Friday before midterms begin. And then on a Sunday, we put the care packages together. And uh, so far, I've done the, I've really done the deliveries. If it grows bigger, I'm definitely going to have to have some help with delivering them. But many of them have been delivered anonymously, where we've gone to advising offices, and I've left the bags for the advisors to decide who to give them to. Uh, some of them are given out individually. They have a personal note card in them saying who sponsored, who, who purchased this bag for that person, uh, and whatever encouraging note they want to put in there. And we have delivered some to students living on campus, to some apartments, I think I delivered one to a grandma that was going to give it to her granddaughter, who is a student. A few of them have also been delivered to people who work on campus and have been delivered at their offices. Every person that I know of who's received one has just been thrilled. It's in the middle of a semester, at a point where things feel pressure, and you just feel like the semester will never end, I know that feeling, whether you're student or faculty or staff things are busy and stressful, just to have somebody say, hey, this is here, and it's just to encourage you, just to lift your spirits, and here you go. So from the start, they have been a purchase price of $20 each. That has allowed us a little bit for some advertising, and I hope that it will grow. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. It's positive, I guess, the way it is, even if it's a small project. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. And I think I'm getting a little more participation and attention from some other people in the church. I think it's a great project for some people to get involved in. And it's a pretty non-threatening way to either offer to bring cookies for it or to show up on that Sunday and help put the packages together.
0: I really appreciate the project, not only because I like what it's doing, but also... I know you had mentioned that you didn't have much interest in it until it started getting rolling. And I think that's just a good lesson. And if you see something that can be done or should be done, you should just do it. Good point. Yeah. I agree with that. People can look on our website when it gets closer to the date. Also, our social media on Facebook for order information. So if you're interested in getting a midterm care package, please watch... Our facebook and our website
1: very good and this is fall 2023 midterm week begins october 9th and the orders will have to be in friday october 6th
0: kathleen thank you so much for meeting with me today
1: thank you and are you going to help me with the advertising yes thank you i <laughs> <Well. laughs> very grateful
0: We are grateful you've listened today, and we hope you found something helpful in today's episode. Our mission is to weave God's unfinished tapestry, and by listening, you are a part of that mission. So thank you. If you would like to know more about our parish or the Episcopal Church, you can find us online at www.trinitypocatello.org. Thanks be to God.